0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Taking risks. How many of you guys consider yourself risky? That you like to take risks. All right, all right. Some of you guys, usually guys are more riskier than girls, generally speaking. I know that Leslie's raising her hand like I'm risky and you know. all. Um, how many of you guys admit that you're more safe? You like to play it safe. You don't like to take risks. All right. Calculated risks, right? So I, I need to make sure that it works out. And uh, this week I was looking at some pictures on the internet about bridges. And I think we got a few. I, I love bridges. How many of you guys know what bridge that is? Golden Gate, where is it at? Where's Golden Gate Bridge? San Francisco, how many of you guys have been there? Anybody, okay, okay, Joanna's like, yeah, all proud. I think this is the Brooklyn Bridge, right? 1883, how crazy is that? There's nobody living that is here now from when this place was built. The ingenuity, the craziness of these things that go into building a bridge. I think we have one more. That's a very nice one. I forgot the name of that one. The chain bridge in Budapest, all right? Anybody been there? No? All right. Amazing bridges. And, and whenever I see a bridge, this is what I see. I see two masses of land with a challenge in between. When, when whoever's drawing up the bridge or uh, the city that wants to construct the bridge, what they're trying to do is, how can I get from one point to another and... and and get through an obstacle or a challenge to get to the other side. And you know in our Christian walk, to get from where we are now to where God wants us to be, there's a challenge. And there's a bridge also that can get you through the challenge. Who wants to take a job to know what that bridge is? What's it called? Don't cheat if you were here in the first service. It's called faith. And we hear this word so much and, and sometimes we just think that faith is just believing. Just believing in God. Oh, God exists. But it goes a little bit further than that. And I want to just challenge you today to live a life of faith. And as we're going to see today through a story that's very well known in the Bible, I want to just be able to prove to you and show you through the word of God that, you know, to be a person of faith and to see all the greatness that God wants you to see and enjoy in life. To go from the natural to the supernatural. Yes, God called us to live in the supernatural. Hello, how many of you guys believe that? God called us not to walk in the natural. Sometimes we're so used to just seeing everything and there's no miracles happening in our lives. And that is not normal for a child of God. The Bible says that when people were freaking out with everything that Jesus was doing, he said, listen, don't freak out. You guys will even do greater things in my name. So Jesus says, listen, I'm not the only one that's going to do these miracles of healing the sick and and, and setting people free and setting the captives free. This is something that you guys are going to do as well. And even greater things. How many of you guys have faith to believe That you, in the name of Jesus, can do greater things than what's registered in this book. Come on. Any people of crazy faith in this place? All right. If not, if not, we'll work on that today. And that's why we're here today. I want to speak to you about high risk. I want to speak to you about having faith. This is the problem. Unbelief, which is the opposite of faith, when you don't believe, when you doubt, unbelief will keep you trapped in your present. Unbelief will keep you trapped on one side of the bridge, never getting to the other side. God could have amazing plans for your life. As a matter of fact, unbelief is so powerful that it could stop God's work in your life. It could put a halt in what God wants to do in your life, where God wants to take you just because you are doubting. That's how important faith is. I heard someone once define faith as acting as if God is telling the truth. Acting as if God is telling the truth. When you read the Bible, when you read crazy things, that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Are you, do you act on that, believing that God is telling the truth? Or is there a part of you that doubts? Or is there a part of you that says, Man, I don't have that gift. Maybe that's for the pastor. Maybe that's for the people that are up here on the stage in church. But I'm just little old me. I don't think God can do it. And you see, what makes the difference is not whether you're up here on stage. If you've known God for 20 years, you could not have this could be your first day in church, and if you have faith, you can do everything this book says. It's just a matter of believing. Um, you will never see the supernatural of God unless you first start believing. So faith is measured by actions. Everybody say faith is measured by actions, not by feelings. I hear a lot of people in the street tell me, Pastor, I have faith. I was just talking to somebody that came for the first time. He's like, I have going through a very difficult situation in his life. And he says, oh, no, I mean, I believe in God and I have faith. But people use that word so lightly. I have faith. And, and people think that faith is just emotions. I believe in God. And that's part of faith. But faith, true faith, is measured by actions. Don't tell me you have faith. Show me you have faith. All right? Don't tell me you have faith. Show me you have faith. It, faith is measured by movement, action, action. And not just by words. Words are cheap, as they say, right? So in the story that we're going to live, or that we're going to see today, we're going to see the disciples in a very difficult situation. It's a story that many of us have known. It's one of the most popular stories in the Bible. And and in the midst of all this, all 12 disciples in a pickle, in a very difficult, life-threatening situation, we see Peter about to take a risk. The Bible Encouraged us to live by faith. The Bible says that the just lives by faith. So, everybody say, faith is a lifestyle. It's not something that I do, it's something that I am. The just shall live by faith. The Bible also talks about walking in faith. It means that my actions are gonna show what I believe in the inside, right? It's not just feeling. So, we're gonna talk about this story, and before we get to that, let me talk a little talk to you a little bit about risk. What is risk? What's the definition of risk? Well, risk is acting or deciding to do something without a guaranteed outcome. It's you determining to do something without knowing for sure that it's going to work out. How many of you guys have taken risks in life already? I see a lot of young people. All right. Some of them have paid out, right? Have planned out. Some of them haven't. But life is about taking risk. And we are used to taking risks in life. For example, if you invest in the stock market, there's no certainty. As a matter of fact, when you see the prospectus, it tells you, listen, there is a possibility that you may lose all the money that you invest. If you put all your money in Zoom, pandemic goes away, nobody needs Zoom anymore. Wherever Zoom is right now, you can lose half your money in one day. There's risk. But people have taken risk and people take risk because they believe that it's going to go up you don't invest in the stock market knowing that it's going to go down that'd be crazy right your hard-earned money what you invest and you take risk because you believe that it's going to go up marriage is a risk too there's no guarantee that it's all going to be fine and dandy marriage is a challenge it's a blessing when it's done the right way but there's things that you're going to have to learn how to adapt and how to give in. It's, it's giving in and, and for the good of the marriage. Driving is a risk. You get in your car, you know some crazy drivers here in South Florida, right? Especially them Uber drivers and them Lyft drivers. It's crazy. There's risk involved. Uh, so take, take, taking a risk is a part of life. Now, it's interesting how we're willing sometimes to take risk in life we're not willing to bet on god and that's what i want to talk to you about sometimes we don't take risk for the kingdom we don't take risk when it comes to god and i read the bible and many of the characters in the bible that i read they they've taken risks they had to act without being sure how things were going to end and i it comes to mind the case of esther how many of you guys remember esther Esther was, uh, she was the queen. She was married to the king, and she was, uh, she was Jewish. She was Hebrew, and the Jews were being persecuted. It was a big problem, and she needed to step up for her people. And the law said that if she went to talk to the king without the king giving her permission, she could lose her life. If he didn't grab his, his uh, cetro, throne or whatever you call that thing that kings have. I know how to say it in Spanish, but if he didn't then extended his staff to her, then she would die right there and the, they'll kill her. So she took a risk and she says, listen, if I have to perish, I'll perish. But I need to do this because I was born for such a time as this. She understood that she needed to take a risk and she was willing to risk her life for it. And we all know how it turned out. She risked her life. The king, which loved her so much, did not. He extended his staff to her. She, she wasn't killed. And Israel was restored. But she took a risk. I read about Daniel and his three friends. How many of you guys read about him? The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar lifted up a huge statue of himself. All right, you think this, he must have been Argentinian or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Funny. He made a huge statue of himself. And he said, everybody that does not worship that statue of me, is going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, and we're going to put it seven times hotter than usual, baby. You're just going to burn there. And then when the music started, everybody was supposed to get, bow down, and everybody did. The music started, and everybody, whoa, what an amazing statue, we worship him. And then three kids, which were Daniel's friends, they stayed standing up. They're like, we're not doing this. And they took him to the king. He says, I'm going to give you one more chance. Still didn't do it. And then he told them, the three guys told the king something that, you know, shows about how much they're willing to risk for the kingdom. he says, listen, the God that we serve, he can save us from your fiery furnace. And then he says something. He says, but even if he doesn't, we're still not worshiping. And we're not bowing down to your statue. I think that God is looking for people today that will not bow down to things of this world, that will take risk for the kingdom. Sometimes we want things to be so so comfortable and God is wanting us to take risk for his kingdom. I read about the Israelites. You guys remember when the sea opened in two and all the Israelites walked leaving Egypt? I could imagine and picture how You know, you could see the sea on one side over here, you know, and I don't know how high that column must have gone up. The wall, the invisible wall that God put to separate the sea on one side and on the, the other. But they took a risk. They walked through the sand and took a risk of, you know, that wall coming down and them drowning. But they took a risk. And all through the Bible, I read about how people take risk on life. Yet sometimes us right now, 2021, we're so reluctant to take risk and bet on God. And I want to share with you the story that we're going to read today. Matthew chapter 14, if you want to go with me in your Bibles, verse 22. How many of you guys have read the story of the disciples uh, crossing over the sea and the big storm that happened on their way over there? How many of you guys have ever heard that story? All right, that's the story that we're going to read. Verse 22 says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he spent or sent the people home. So after sending the people home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. How crazy is that? When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Now, I want you guys to understand this because there weren't any lights. It's not like a cruise ship here that you had your cabins and stuff. I mean, it's, it's three in the morning the darkest time of the night, all right? They're in a boat. If they even had lanterns and turn on with the waves crashing, I mean, there's no light. Three in the morning in the middle of the sea, you know how dark it is. It's crazy, pitch dark. Have you ever gone on a cruise and at night you went out to the deck and tried to see as far as the horizon lets you see how dark it is? Pitch black. You don't see jack. You don't see anything. So this is, this is what they're going through, but with waves and, and they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. And all of a sudden... Jesus comes and and they see like a light in the distance. They're like, it's a ghost. Who in the world is going to be walking on water at three in the morning in the middle of a storm? So they were freaking out. Now I want you to see this. The disciples did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Jesus told them, listen, guys, get in the boat. They were following orders. Get in the boat and start going to the other side. So Jesus leaves them. And he goes to the hills to pray. They were in God's perfect will. And I want you to understand this because this could speak to what you're going through right now or through what you're going to go through tomorrow. They were in God's perfect will, obeying what God told them to do and still facing the storm. How can I be doing everything that God wants me to do? Being a good person, loving others, even coming to church. Jesus, I'm even tithing. And still be in the middle of a storm? I don't get this. Sometimes we start questioning God. We say, God, why? Now is when I should be I thought you protected me. Come on, God. I'm doing all the right things. You know, I'm I'm trying to do the right. And and, and now that I'm going through this, why would you allow this? I thought you loved me. Sounds familiar? Here are the disciples in perfect communion with God, obeying everything that Jesus says, but they're still in a storm. You can be doing the right thing, living to please God, and still be in a storm. But every storm has a purpose. So for a moment, I want to speak to those that are intentionally obeying God in this place. And you're doing everything in your power to walk according to his word, but yet you're still in a storm. I read in verse 24, if you read the New King James Version, it's it's specifically that the winds are contrary. They were trying to get, like, let's say they're going north winds were blowing south so what happens if you're trying to get in one direction but the winds are contrary what do you do you don't, you don't move you're stagnated you're trying to get to the other side you're trying to obey God and what he told you to do but you're stagnated you're stopped and maybe some of you guys feel that way that man God is leading me in a direction I know I gotta go and I'm, and I'm obeying I'm doing everything that I should but I feel I'm stuck why why is it that I'm stuck In the midst of all the chaos, the Bible says that in the third watch, which is around 3 a.m., in the dark, Jesus appears to them and says three things. Don't be afraid, take heart, and I am here. What does that mean? Well, in the middle of the storm, they get a sermon. In the middle of the storm, they get a sermon. Hey, be encouraged. Maybe you're going through a storm, and in the middle of the storm, you're sitting here today, and you're getting a sermon. Take courage. God is with you. Don't we hear that when we come to church? You know, I got to have faith. Take courage. Don't be afraid. I am here with you. And the Bible says that in verse 28, Peter called to him, and I want you to check this out. Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, yeah, come. Verse 29. Come on, Peter. Jesus said, So Peter went over the side of the boat when Jesus gave him the order and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Now I want you to understand this. We're we're talking about faith and we're talking about taking risks. All 12 disciples were in the boat. Am I right? All 12 disciples were in the storm. All 12 disciples heard the same sermon. Don't be afraid. It is me, Jesus. You know, take take heart. Don't be afraid. Be encouraged. But only one responded. And sometimes we come to church and we settle just for the sermon. Listen to me. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will just, you know, open your, your ears of understanding, your spirit to understand this. Sometimes we come to church and we settle for a nice sermon. Oh, I'm encouraged. Really nice. But God is looking for people that are willing to jump and step out of the boat. God's looking for people that are saying, listen, I I don't just want a general message, a message for the entire boat, for the church. Oh, the church was encouraged. I need something for me. And I don't know how many of you are going to leave this place today saying, man, I, I need God to speak to my specific situation yes i've understood i came to church and i'm encouraged but i'm not going to end there i need god to give me direction i need i need to go i need to see miracle a miracle in my situation i need to see the power of god and peter was the only one out of the 12 who answered and said if that's you jesus tell me to come and i love jesus because he doesn't say hey listen i am god come on Peter, and you are little All you. You've messed up so many times. You think you can walk on the water? I love Jesus. Jesus says, yeah, come on. Let's go. I got you. And Peter's like, I'm out. And I want you to, because sometimes you see the, how they portray it and they picture it. And, and it's just like a calm sea and Peter getting off the boat. It's a storm, people. It's a, you, you know how the waves shake the boat in the storm? It, it, probably even trying to get out, he was falling you know, in the deck. It's, it's crazy. In the middle of the night with no light, the only light they could see is a reflection of Jesus in the water. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Yet Jesus tells them, come. Peter needed a specific word to experience a miracle in the middle of a storm. And I'm wondering how many of you guys today came to church saying, God, I know you're in church. I know you're going to speak and you speak in general, but I need a specific word. I want to go a step further. I want to see miracles in my life. I I don't want to continue living just in the natural. I need to see your power. I read about the Bible. I don't know how many of you guys have ever felt that you're sitting in church, you're like, I mean, there's got to be some, there's got to be more. Have you guys ever felt that? It's like, God has to have something more. There's got to be more to this. Because sometimes we, we settle for a Christianity that's, idealized then it's a Christianity that we've made up but there's so much more because God is so great that you can't understand how great his love is how great his power is and sometimes we limit it and we think we know it all but it's those people like Peter that says God I just don't want you to come back in the boat and you know all, all is calm and we're back to normal I want to see your power even in the midst of the storm when you hear a word during a sermon like this You just can't stop there. You can't just settle for coming to church. You can't just settle for being in the boat. I want more. And the 12 are in God's will, but Peter wanted to experience more. Now, check this out. I want you to get this. The reason why sometimes God allows storms in your life, for those that are going through storms now or that will go through storms soon, because we all go through them. The reason why God allows them to come into your life is because he wants you to see him as you have never seen him before. I mean, the disciples saw Jesus, you know, they walked with him. They had the the privilege of eating with Jesus. The Bible says that John, one of his beloved disciples, he would lay his head on Jesus' chest. and, And, you know, they touched him. I mean, it was something that we can't do today physically. So they knew Jesus, but sometimes God will allow you To go through a storm so you could see Jesus in a way that you've never seen him. Yeah, we've seen Jesus. We've eaten with him. We've done great things with him. We've seen the miracles. We've walked. We've gone from town to town. But we've never seen Jesus walk on water. What was the problem that they were facing while they were in the boat? What was the problem? The storm. They saw Jesus walking on the storm. Walking on their problems. And maybe God brought you here because whatever storm you're going through... He wants you to see Jesus walking over your storm. Sometimes you see our storm, is like, oh my gosh, it's impossible. I can never get through this. And sometimes Jesus will allow a storm to come into your life so that you could see him in a way that you've never, ever experienced. And I love how Peter reacts. I'm praying that, I'm believing that JTP Church is a church full of Peters or Penelope's if you're a girl. (laughs) Peters and Penelopes that are not conformed with just saying, oh, Jesus is here. We're cool. We're going to stay safe in our little boat and we're saved. Praise the Lord. But people that want to jump out and say, God, I want to do that. I want to walk over my problems too. I want to walk over the situations that seem impossible. I want that faith. So here's what's mind-boggling. That only Peter out of 12, listen, they're all, let me just recap, they're all in God's will, yes or no? They're all in God's in obedience to Jesus, yes or no? They're in the boat, they're serving God, they're going to preach the gospel for God's sake, all right? These people are, are disciples, but yet, only one of them, and that's what's mind-boggling, only Peter makes the request. Right before this happens, The disciples, all 12 of them, just saw Jesus multiply five breads, loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 men without counting women and children. No Netflix back then. Y'all know? They used to have like 20 kids, each couple, all right? So when it's talking about 5,000 men, at least 25,000 people with just five bread, just a miracle. And on top of that, they picked up 12 huge baskets of leftovers, 12 huge doggy bags. I mean, the disciples just saw this incredible miracle, but now here's Jesus walking over the water, and only one has the audacity or the faith to say, hey, if that's you, Jesus, I want to do the same thing. I don't know how many of you are bold enough today to say, man, I want to start walking in the supernatural. I don't want to just thank God because I'm saved. I want to start making a difference in my family because there are a bunch of drug addicts in my family, and I want to pray to God so that God could deliver every single one of them. Or because there's a bunch of people that are sick right now with COVID and I just want to lay hands and see them get recovered in an instant. Isn't that what the power of God is for? What's the problem? What's the storm that you're going through? What are you, or what's the storm that you're going to go through tomorrow? And are you going to have the faith to not just settle for a cute sermon? That you're going to walk out of the church just the same way that you came in, but something that's going to bridge you from the natural to the supernatural, and to be all that God has called you to be. So all 12, this is what I'm trying to teach you. All 12 were exposed to the miracles of Jesus. All 12 were exposed to the teachings of Jesus. But only one exercised his faith. The the others just settled for the sermon. They exercised. Remember we talked about faith? Faith is action. Faith is not saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. I know Jesus. He's cool. He's my, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. That's, that's nice. That's a good start. But faith is action. You show, you demonstrate it. You see, God doesn't play favorites, but he responds to those willing to bet on him and risk. So it, it, you could be like Javi, that he takes calculated risk, right? He's cautious. He's an engineer. Mathematicians usually, we calculate stuff, All right. All right we're here right i'm an accountant by trade so i i I know we take we do numbers is it gonna work or is it not we take but when it comes to the kingdom you could be like that for your finances you could be like that for different things but when it comes to to the kingdom you gotta be bold and say god i know you got my back i'm gonna jump off the boat i'm gonna go into the fiery furnace. i'm not gonna bow down before this idol i'm gonna go and i'm gonna I'm going to kick Goliath behind, right? Even though I'm half his size because I believe, have faith. And the Bible says in verse 30, if you join me, that here's Peter. He's getting off the boat. Just imagine all the waves, darkness, like a glowing light. We can't even tell what it is. It's Jesus. He says it's Jesus, but I can't even tell. And he's coming. He starts walking towards him. And verse 30 says, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, He was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he tells him, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? So get this. It says here, when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. How did Peter go from great and incredible supernatural faith to jump out of the boat to now go to being little faith in a matter of seconds. And I'll tell you what it is. It wasn't the wind. Because it says here when he saw the wind. And, but wasn't the wind there before Jesus even came? Weren't they struggling with the boat? Oh, we're going to die. And then Jesus. The winds were there already. And it's just. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about. It, it's just a matter of focus. What are you focusing on? You know, the reason we don't see the glory of God and we don't take steps of faith sometimes to believe God is because we're too busy f- focused on the storm. We're, we're too busy telling all the people around us our problems and how much we need to get to the rent, to pay the rent on the first, and how much, how much situations we got in our lives. And we're, we're telling everybody that we know about uh, how bad our situation is instead of focusing on Jesus. Jesus. And the problem was that, man, Peter started off right. He said, man, if it's you, Jesus, let me go because I know that you will never let me down. Let me just go and walk on water. Come, all right, I'm going. He starts walking on the water, but then he says, wait a second, what what am I doing? He starts losing focus. You could start off right and end wrong. That's why we always have to have our sight placed on the author of our faith. In Jesus, because as long as your eyes are in Jesus, man, all hell can be breaking loose around you, but you're not gonna lose your step. You're not gonna lose your footing. I want you to tell somebody close to you today: your problem is not your problem, your problem is your focus, and that's why the entire Israeli army was. shaking. The Bible literally says that their their feet were shaking because Goliath, two or three times a day, I forget, would come up and say, I'm going to kill all you people. Send me one guy to fight me. If he defeats me, we will worship your God. If I defeat you guys or that guy, you guys will worship our God. And the entire army was trembling. But here comes David. And David comes and he says, who is this punk who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's challenging the, the armies of the living God? You know why? Because the entire army was focused on the size of the giant. But David was looking between his legs and he says, this guy's not circumcised. He hasn't been to the doctor yet, right? That meant that he's not under God's covenant. And if he's not under God's protection, we are. I'm going to hunt him down. And what did David do? Through the power of God, not his power, he got a little rock, foof, ended up cutting his head off. What was the difference between David, one little guy, and the entire army that supposedly the army should be prepared for fights and for battles? It was just a matter of focus. You know what refocuses you when you're out of focus? Praise and worship. There's nothing that could get you back on focus when you're unfocused than having some time in the presence of God. You just, you just start worshiping God, and it's like you start seeing how your problem starts diminishing, 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 boom, 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 and your faith starts growing, 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 growing. And you probably came to church worried out of your mind with anxiety. How in the world am I going to come? But you get out of church after worshiping in spirit and in truth, right? Connecting with God and just you know, talking about his faithfulness and, his, and you're like, my gosh. I was super anxious and, and I just couldn't see God in the middle of this. And, and I was just wasting, thank God that I worshiped him because now I could truly see God for who he is. There's nothing that can refocus you like praise and worship. Have you ever been anxious about a storm in your life but you get into church and you just start worshiping and you just start focusing on God's goodness and it's like, you get out of the service and you're like, uh, what was I worried about? Have you ever had that type of uh, personal conversation with yourself? I'm like, why? You know, why, why was I so anxious? I don't get it. Why did I make such a big deal? Well, it's just in your humanity, you were focused on the wrong thing. So let's see who gets this. Um, if you want to walk on water, you must get out of your boat. And I think that God is challenging us as a church and you as an individual, if you want to walk on water, you got to get on your boat. You're not going to walk on water staying in the comfort of the boat. Otherwise, you'll end up like the other 11 in God's will suddenly for just another nice sermon. And when reading about this testimony, all the other 11 disciples, all they could ever say is, my boy Peter... I saw him walk on water. I saw my brother walk on water. And sometimes we come to church and we hear people walk on water. We hear testimonies of people saying, oh man, God healed me. And it's gotta come, you, got, you gotta come to a point where you get tired of hearing God doing stuff with other people that you come to realize, man, it's time for me to get out of the boat and exercise my faith to start seeing God do crazy things, miracles, supernatural things in my life so that I could have testimony. Let me tell you, take a moment right now, all right? Time out. Take a moment, think when was the last time some, God did something crazy in your life, in your life, not your dad, not your mom, not abuelita, in your life that you said, Man, and that your kids If you're married and you have kids, if your kids said, wow, God did something. My dad is a man of God. When was the last time that you had a personal experience? If you don't have them often, it's very likely that you're still in the comfort of your boat. Because if you live by faith and if you exercise your faith... And if you let the Holy Spirit take you and you're obedient when God tells you, man, speak to that person, lay hands on this guy, do this crazy thing, do this for my kingdom, you're going to see the power of God manifest. You're going to live from miracle in miracle because you have just crossed the bridge from being safe and saved to being in the supernatural. To living out everything that God wants you to live out in your family in your job, in your finances, in everything you do, especially in your ministry. How many of you guys believe that there's more? How many of you believe that God wants to do more in your life? Maybe you've had that feeling. I don't don't know what it is, but God, I know that there's more of God that I need to tap into. Well, I think that there's a reason why you're here. I think that God knows that, and you know it, and he brought you here to tell you, hey, it's time to walk out of your boat. Just to put an end to the story, we just finished reading in Matthew. If you go to John, the same exact story, but now in the book of John, there's a small little detail that really caught my attention, and it's in verse 21. John 6 says, then they willingly received him into the boat. So when Jesus, you know, Peter starts falling, you know, when he starts Losing focus, Jesus helps him up, tells him, man, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? They come and they walk back into the boat. The minute Jesus gets into the boat, the Bible says immediately the boat was on the, on the land where they were going. So here's the wind, contrary wind. They were in the middle. They couldn't get to their destination, challenges. But the minute that Jesus got in the boat, immediately, it wasn't that they, oh, okay, now, now it's smooth sailing. Let's go. And it took them an hour to, immediately, miraculously, they got to the other side. I'm believing that God's getting, is going to get people to the other side today. People that are struggling in a storm. Because the whole purpose of the storm that you're going through was probably God trying to get your attention to jump out of your boat, to, to get out of your comfort zone and say, God, I, wanna, I want you to use me for greater things. How many of you guys are, are dying to see supernatural things happen in your family, in, in, in the world around you, with the people that you work with, those that go to school and college and, you know, even, even through Zoom, I mean... With all the challenges that we have today, I mean, God is not limited to working, you know, in person. God could, you know, do a miracle through Zoom. You could pray for somebody through Zoom and they receive it on the other side of the world. I mean, uh, but how many of you are thirsty and hungry for that? Because Peter said, I don't want to settle just for this. There's so much more. I want to see your power. And the Bible says in Matthew eleven 12, I'm finishing up. From the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And look what it says. And the violent take it by force. The people of the kingdom, the people that God is looking for, are people that are risk takers. Violent. And they don't care because they know what God, they're not calculating risk when it comes to the gospel. I'm not telling you, you got to be reckless in other things. But when it comes to the gospel, you are in tune with the voice of God. And when God tells you, jump, you are willing to jump. You're not calculating risk because you know whose hands is going to sustain you. How many say amen? Come on, how many crazy faith people do we have in this place? And the last thing I want to do today is just read you an account of all the great men of God that have done incredible things. You know, there's a chapter in the Bible, we call it the Hall of Faith, instead of the Hall of Fame, because these are the people that, through faith, did incredible things. And we're talking about faith. We're talking about that faith is what, you know, helps you see what you can't see with your physical eyes. It's believing. And sometimes God wants us to act on faith, not on your logic. God tells you, do this, start your life group. And then you start, oh, but I don't have time. But I don't have... It. When it comes to the... When God tells you to do something, just Go don't calculate and these people through faith did amazing things and the reason why their stories are in the Bible is to encourage you to encourage you and you and me so that when we are called by God and when we are challenged to get off our boat in the middle of a storm that we were able to do the same thing they did And let me just share a little bit. I know it's a lot, but just pay attention to these crazy things these people did. And this is in Hebrews 11 for those that want to read it at home. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's long. But it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. How many here want to earn a good reputation with your family members, with the people that surround you, with your kids? By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So there was nothing once and Jesus or God said or the Trinity said, let there be light. And out of nothing, light was formed. And then he created the planets and the stars, and he spoke to nothing. But because there's power in God's word, whatever he speaks comes into existence. Do you know that same power is inside of you? You know the Bible says that you have the power in your lips that whatever you speak comes to pass. That's why you can never start talking. You, know, you can't talk bad about yourself. You can't say, "Oh, I'm good for nothing. Oh, I'm such a horrible. Oh, I'm so unlucky. Oh, I always lose." That you can't. You gotta change the way you talk about yourself because there's power in your words. The same power that was in Jesus and God when he was forming the universe, it's in us. And then it says in verse 7, pay attention just for a few seconds. It was by faith, everybody say by faith, that Noah, y'all remember Noah, right? Bruce Almighty, you guys remember the movie, right? The big ark and the animals, all right. Okay, so by faith, Noah built a cruise ship to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. We talked about obeying being God's love language. That's how we show God that we love him through obedience. So because he obeyed God, he was able to do something crazy. He built a cruise ship in his backyard and started telling people, hey, if you don't come, there's going to be a flood and you're all going to die. People started laughing at him, but he still did it. Why? Through faith. It was crazy, but he believed and he didn't care what people thought and he did it. Verse number eight, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. There's that word again, obeying. When God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. You see the pattern here? God sometimes going to tell you to do things that don't make sense. And if you stop and try to think about it, by the time you're done trying to understand it, which you won't, that's too late already. You missed out. Sometimes you just got to do things by faith. It was by faith that Sarah, his wife, was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. 90 years old having a kid. Can you picture that? I don't want to see the pictures. Verse 13. All these people died. Check this out. All these people died believing what God has promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on earth. Man, these people, God promised them great things. Do this crazy thing because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do amazing things. They died and they still didn't see the promise fulfilled, but they knew that their children were going to enjoy it. That's how much they believed God. You know, sometimes we're so, we're so obsessed with God blessing us and, with, and we're so obsessed like if, like if this is everything here. And listen to me, we're nomads. The Bible says that these people understood that we're just nomads, that we're pilgrims. That means that we don't belong here. People of God You know, there's a heavenly place that God wants to prepare for us. I'm just here for a second. The reason why God didn't take me to heaven already when I gave my life to Jesus is because there's work to do and there's other people that need to know about Jesus. But my true place, it's heaven. God's preparing me a nice little shack up there. He's, He's preparing some nice things that eyes have never seen and ears have not heard. And the true people of God, the true people of faith know this. That's why they're willing to risk here. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care if they call me fanatic. I don't care if they, why? Because I know on my faith. I know what I've believed in. I have decided to take a step out of the boat of my comfort to believe God for greater things. And I know that there's a price for me. Even whether I see it in my lifetime or not, I know that God is faithful to his promises. Verse number 22 says, It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of israel would leave egypt and they did you know how many years after 430 years after but he saw it because he was a man of faith it was by faith that moses parents hid him for three months when he was born they saw that god had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the kin's command in favor of god's it was by faith that the people of israel marched around jericho how crazy is that they marched around the city and the walls came crashing down. How do you reason that you can't? It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, hello, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And then it says this, finishing up, guys, bear with me a couple of minutes. Verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It's like saying, hey, how, much, how many more examples do you need? I think that God is telling us, hey, how how much, how much, because I could just read you 20,000, 20 more stories, but if you don't look inside of you and say, man, what am I living for? Am I I in the comfort of my own little boat? Glad that Jesus saved me. Praise the Lord. I want to live my best life here and nobody else bother me because I want to do my own thing. Or am I going to take a step of faith? How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, all these people in the Bible, the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Check this out. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. Everything that God has promised you, 2,000, some people say 3,000 promises in this book, in the Bible. You receive them only, only by faith. The way you receive everything God left you in this book is by believing it. That's why if you have doubt, if you have unbelief, we said at the beginning, it's like that bridge. You're staying in the natural. And you're not getting to where God wants you. You, don't, you can't receive promises unless you truly believe them. And then it says, by faith these people ruled with justice, shut the mouths of lions. How many would like to do that? Shut the mouth of a lion? Yeah, Javi? I would like to shut the mouth of a lion. Anybody else? Guys? Yeah. Stanley, let's go. Shut the mouths of lions. Quench the flames of fire. Escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. Put whole armies to flight. Women even received their loved ones back again from death. Now Wait. This is the the only place that I know in the Bible where in the middle of a verse there's a pause. Usually there's a verse, the verse ends and there's another subtitle and another new story starts or, or the authors or whoever edited the Bible, they just break stuff up. But here, interestingly enough, in the middle of a verse they split something. In the middle of one specific verse. And what I think the author or whoever did this was trying to do I think it was trying to point out a and a more excellent level of faith. I think I was trying to say look, but then there's another extreme, more extreme level of faith. And I want you to pay attention to what it says. It says but others because of their faith were tortured. We don't like that word, right? We want to we want to live good. We want to eat well, we want to live well, want to have lots of money. The Bible says that because of faith, and this is another level, because of their faith, we're tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Say, if you say that you don't believe in God, we'll let you go. But if you say that you believe in God, we're going to torture you here. We're going to kill you and make it hurt and make it last so you could suffer. And still they said, I'm not denying God. It says that they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. You see, when you have faith to see things that are to come, when you have that level of faith that you can see Jesus despite the storm, you know that you're only here for a minute, but your, your true reward is you know up there in heaven, you live differently. It says some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Hello. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. You know, we talked about Stephen last week, right? They killed them with stones. Some were sawed in half. You know what that means? You guys seen the magic tricks where they put the person in in a box and then they saw them in half? Except that wasn't a trick. They literally sawed him while the person was alive for the gospel. Because they were followers of Jesus. And they did it. They were sawed. And they felt Privileged to be sought for Christ and others were killed with the sword some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats destitute and oppressed and mistreated they were too good for this world wandering over deserts and mountains hiding in caves and holes in the ground all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith I want to tell you living by faith is a high risk zone but there's only one way there's only one way to see the supernatural. There's only one way to live out the life that God wants you to live out. And it's when you surrender completely. And when you say, God, I don't want to just stay in my little boat. And just listen to a sermon. And be encouraged. God, I want to take a step of faith. Yeah, you're going to have to risk. You're going to have to risk. You. Can, oh my gosh, but what, what if... I could fall. I could drown. I could, But when you have your focus on Jesus, you won't drown. It might be scary taking that step. But if you can overcome the fear at the beginning to take the step, you're going to see God's glory. JTP, why don't we stand today? I don't know who God's talking to today. I don't know in what way or in what capacity God is challenging you. But if you are just tired not having miracles not seeing miracles listen and maybe you've never seen a miracle in your entire life i want to tell you that is not normal for a life that's committed to jesus because wherever god is miracles happen and i'm not just talking about miracles on your behalf i'm also talking about you experiencing miracles when you witness to others when you talk to others about Jesus, when you lay hands and pray for situations that others are going through. And I just want to challenge those today that are willing to take a step of faith. And the challenge is here. I think that I'm just a messenger and God is challenging you today. Just like the disciples were there and Jesus came over the water and said, take courage. I am here. Are you just going to settle for listening to that message or are you just going to jump out of your boat? and say, Jesus, I want to walk towards you. I also want to walk over my problems. Father God, I thank you for speaking to our lives. I thank you, God, for challenging us because we want to grow, God. We don't want to stay stagnant in our faith. We don't want to stay stagnant in our walk with you. We know that there's so much more. And God, we just want to see the supernatural. We want to see everything that's in this book. We don't want to just read stories about what happened days ago or years ago. God, we want to manifest your power in our families, in the needs that are around us, in the situations that sometimes we are aware of. God, I pray that we are not the kind of people that stay in our boat, in the comfort of our boat, just glad that we're saved. We pray, God, that we would push further and that we would take risk to get out of our situation and start walking into the supernatural. Father, I pray, That every single person in this place, that it's willing and that it's going to respond to this calling today. I pray, God, and I'm encouraged and I'm excited to see what you're going to start doing in their lives as soon as today. How you're going to start using them in their families, with the people that they love, with the people that they know that are going through situations. Speaking the gospel with boldness, with manifestations of power. God, we pray that revival will start not in our cities, but in our hearts. Revival will start in our in the places where we do life, in our schools, in our places of work, in our businesses, God, in our, in our neighborhoods, in the places where we do life. We pray that we could be true testimonies of the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. just just want to see how many of you guys are really encouraged and ready and determined to take a step of faith out of your boat let me see i want a a show of hands all right i love that i love that don't be scared don't calculate risk just step out and i want to do one last thing if this is the first time you've come or second or third or 20th but you've never let jesus be the lord of your life Bible says that the only way you can be saved is not through good works and being a good person. It's through a gift that Jesus gave every single one of us. So if you're watching us through the streaming or if you're here and you've never done that prayer, just say these words with me from the bottom of your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, on this day I give you my heart. I turn over my life. I want to live for you. I realize I'm a sinner. I've messed up. But today I found out that your blood covers all my sins i need a savior so would you come jesus and be my savior my personal savior and cleanse me of all my sins and forgive me of every single one of them from this day on i will walk according to your word i will be a person of faith and i will see the supernatural in my life every single day of my life from this day on in jesus name amen and amen. Come on. Put your hands together for the king.